Do you remember a time where you learned about something new and it left you so excited you couldn't wait to learn more? We often witness this sense of wonder and hunger for more in kids. My kids love the Marvel's Avengers series. They've seen the movies, but they still like to read the books. They still pour over character dictionaries and play Avengers in their backyard or with the Legos. They just can't get enough. The book of Ephesians is like that for Christians. When we hunger to know and understand more of what God has done for us, studying Paul's teaching to the Ephesian Christians offers a wealth of theological teaching and guidance for applying what we believe in our daily lives. Join us as we begin a study of this faith-enriching book next. Stay tuned. Welcome to Groundwork, where we dig into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Scott Jose. And I'm Daryl Delaney. And Scott, we are starting a brand new series on the book of Ephesians. Ephesians has six chapters, and that's how many episodes there will be. So we'll have plenty of time to um, look into what this book offers. There's so much good stuff in it. Theologically, there's good stuff in it practically. And Paul wanted to make sure the church in Ephesus was able to live this faith out and understand why. And as we'll see in this episode and probably in all the episodes, Paul, I think, really wanted to get the the Ephesian Christians kind of jazzed up, to get them excited, to make them enthusiastic about the faith, to make them deeply convicted of how much God did for them. And as we read it today, it ought to have the same effect in our lives. So we don't just study this just to sort of get information, because what we're going to read already in this first chapter in this episode should uh, energize and jazz us too, that we should really be excited and convicted all over again of what a wonderful gift God has given us through Jesus Christ. And the church in Ephesus, in Ephesus, which is uh, Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey, Paul spent three years there preaching and teaching the gospel, and they were in a pagan world. They had a whole bunch of wild things going on. Think of Las Vegas times 25. (laughs) This is what's happening, a lot of idolatry, a lot of temple worship, and it looked like darkness was winning. It looked like evil was winning, but— You know, if the Ephesians were like, what do we do about that? Well, Paul says, first, you need to understand what God has done. And then once you understand what God has done, you will know what you need to do. In this situation, Paul's not addressing any controversies like he does in Galatians and Colossians and even in Corinthians. We did a series on earlier. He is actually able to paint a panorama for them. This is what God has done. This is what God has planned. And you get to sit in and understand what the graces and the power and the mercy have done for you in the first place. A lot of people have noted that Ephesians and Colossians are pretty similar. They're laid out pretty similarly. But you're right. Unlike 1 Corinthians, where Paul is clearly responding to a whole bunch of questions this is what and you problems. Wrote me about. Yeah. Uh, here he's just going to take off. Kind of go right back to the beginning of how we can understand our salvation. So let's begin with Ephesians chapter 1. After the uh, initial introduction, we start at verse 3 where Paul writes Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. 
With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. And so, Daryl, I mean, wow. I mean, <laughs> right. the language here, lavished and, and you know, just, just every spiritual gift and all things are being reconciled. Paul's not pulling any punches here. It's a beautiful thing because he's laying out the plan that God had. And that word that you said, predestination, it stuck out to me because it's a very rich word in the Reformed tradition. And we don't have time to get into all of what it means because they've been arguing about this uh, for millennia about predestination, God's election and, and free will. But suffice it to say that God chose before the creation of the world. So it's really important for us to understand that before he said, let there be light. He was solving the redemption problem of the fall before he created everything. And I love that because God is not reacting. He's proactively involved in all the creation. Yeah, I mean, exactly at what point did predestination become a problem? But it has been, right? I mean, a lot of people kind of think the theologian John Calvin invented predestination <laughs> or election, and it's become this controversial thing. Well, how, how come God would choose some and not others? And yeah, as you say, the arguments go on and on. I don't know how we turn predestination into a problem because here Paul is celebrating yes. predestination as that plan, that eternal plan. And guess what? We're caught up in it now, too. For Paul, predestination just means, yes, glory be to God. It wasn't a problem for him. No, it wasn't a problem for him. He's trying to help them to understand that God had a plan to set something in place to redeem everything and all creation at what the King James Version calls the fullness of time. Mm, right. So this was the particular time when the gospel of Christ would go out and these Ephesian believers would be affected when they caught that by faith. And Paul wanted to comfort these believers because they got the Greek goddess Artemis, also known as Diana. They got many different cultural things going on. They got the Agora market. They got cultural challenges in this seaport city, but they need to realize that there's an anchor, that God is actually involved in a plan to redeem all of the stuff that they see every day that's pressing in on them trying to change their core being. And God gives glory out of the great links that he goes through to save people. Yeah, uh, as you were just noting, Daryl, Ephesus was one of those cities in the ancient world that was kind of a crossroads, major seaport, very metropolitan, uh, yeah. we would say, very eclectic. And religious ideas were a dime a dozen, right? There was this giant statue of Diana or Artemis in the city, a huge temple dedicated to to her. And so, you know, it was one of those environments where people say, well, how, how can we know it's true? I mean, everybody's got their own religious opinion. There's this religion, this religion. Maybe one is just as good as the other. And Paul is saying, no, all of that stuff is just sort of has popped up. People made it up. People come up with new ideas every day. The truth of what saves you has been planned before the creation of the world. Yes. And God was ready when the time was full, right, to send Jesus Christ so that, as Paul says, 
He could then lavish grace on us. We'll talk more about that later. He's going to lavish grace, and he's going to make known to us the mystery. Paul likes to talk about the mystery of it all, and there you know, were probably a lot of mystery religions then too. But, but Paul's saying, look, in the marketplace of religious ideas that floods Ephesus all the time, as you said, here's the anchor that holds. Uh, this is your salvation. Now, we've been talking about God's redemptive plan that started before the foundations of the world. And coming up in the next segment, we want to explore this further. So stay tuned. We're glad you've joined our Groundwork Conversation. If you're enjoying today's discussion and want to download or listen again, you can find the audio podcast and transcript for this episode on our website, groundworkonline.com. Want to dig deeper? You can also find episode guides and blogs available to supplement your study. Curious about another episode or series we've mentioned? Search our episode library to find hundreds of conversations about God's Word and what it means for God's people today. Add your voice to our Groundwork conversation by visiting groundworkonline.com. And thank you. Support from listeners like you makes Groundwork possible. Welcome to Groundwork, where we dig into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Scott Jose. And I'm Daryl Delaney. And we're in the first chapter of Ephesians, six-chapter book, and we've just talked about how God's glory, God's plan, uh, the fruition, the execution of God's before the creation of the world plan, and we get to be part of all that, Paul tells us. Well, let's dig right back in, right here in verse 11. It says, in him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. And as we said before, Scott, God has strategically planned to have every part of this redemption and predestined happen, not just to affect creation, but to affect us as well. And we can take hope in that now, because I think of people who, you know, our friends, our loved ones, even some of the people that are our enemies. We we pray that they become saved. We don't see them going the direction of salvation and we lose hope sometimes because we're looking at the temporal. But God has what was called the the holy hounds of heaven on the case and he is in the process of his plan being done and those who he has chosen will definitely come to their senses at the right time so we can trust God's process and the effective uh, prayers that we pray for those people. God was not making this up as he went along in short. When you think about the, the larger scheme of things which Paul is making us think about here, he's talking in cosmic terms with cosmic timelines here. It's quite stunning. But it, it is a little bit like the game of chess and that God is like the master chess player who knows exactly what he's doing. It reminds me of a story that Reverend Jack Rhoda told in a Christmas sermon some years ago where it is said that when the, the great chess master, uh, Bobby Fischer, yes. he was a very young man, and he had a major uh, chess match against some Russian genius player. And people who absolutely know chess recognized that relatively early in the game, Bobby Fischer made a move that meant he was going to win. 
His opponent didn't know it. Uh, most people watching the game didn't know it. But there are about 19 more moves to make. But when Bobby moved that one piece, checkmate was inevitable. Yeah, Nothing was going to stop it now. And when Christ was born in Bethlehem, checkmate. God's got the game over the devil and over the forces of evil. And that's the sort of grand strategy uh, and long game you know, that yes. Paul is talking about here. It's beautiful to see that God has all that in place before he says, let there be light, mm -hmm. which is really powerful. I think that also one of the things that gets me excited is when Paul starts talking about that the Holy Spirit is the seal until the day of redemption. And so he is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. And I think is what's important to me is that when we think about seals, I think about the kings or the emperors of that day, mm -hmm. and they have a scroll that they roll up with their word, their decree on it, this decree that can't be refuted. And then they take their signet ring and they seal it with wax. And so no one can open that seal until they get that to the destination of the person who was designated to open it. And so the, the authority of the king is on that seal and everyone knows that. And so the revelation talks about these books of seals that have been put together by the king of kings. And we have been sealed by the king of kings, by the seal, which happens to be the Holy Spirit. And so he is a down payment and a guarantee that God is going to redeem all things, starting with us on the inside. And that gives the Ephesians hope, even in their own personal struggles, they can think about how the spirit is in them at work. And Paul talks also you know, about how the, the Holy Spirit is um, uh, like a deposit. Uh, guaranteeing our inheritance, he says uh, in, in verse 14. And that's so interesting. Uh, I, I think both of us, uh, Daryl, have recently purchased a, a new house. And so you know when you go yeah. through that, you, you have to, uh, at some point early in the process, when you've made an offer on a house and maybe your offer's been accepted, you have to put down some earnest money. They call it earnest money yep. to show that you're earnest, you're serious. So you got to make a deposit. It'll get applied toward your purchase later, but they want 2000 or $5,000 or something in hand right away yep. to say you're serious. Paul says that's what the Holy Spirit is. We don't have the fullness of our salvation yet, right. obviously. We still struggle. We still are tempted. We still fail. And we sometimes still have doubts. And we sometimes still have questions. But Paul says, look, you've been given the Holy Spirit. It's like that wax seal. It's God's deposit to you saying he's serious. Yes. He, this is his earnest money, if you will. This is going to happen. God's going to follow through in the long run because he's already given you the Holy Spirit. So that's skin in the game there, Scott. Yep. When the money is put where his mouth is, so to speak, you want to go with that metaphor. You talked about a process of already being saved, being saved daily, and then actually being fully saved at the end of all things. And the Ephesian church needs to know that God is winning, even though it looks like he's losing according to the world standard. And they are being persecuted for their faith. They're being murdered for their faith. But they need the hope that comes with understanding that God is present and active in creation right now with them. And the Holy Spirit's seal is their promise that that is happening. 
So Paul's pulled the camera way back here. There's always a little bit of a danger, I suppose, when you take such a cosmic perspective that we could feel kind of diminished by that or, or you know, whatever, uh, maybe made to feel small by by seeing everything in such a large context. But Paul is trying to accomplish exactly the opposite. He's trying to say, look, you may feel small. You may feel abandoned sometimes. You may feel like, you know, God's losing or the church is losing. But don't worry about it. God's got this thing. He, he's been moving these chess pieces around for eons. Right. <laughs> and, and he sent his Holy Spirit into your life. You've received it. You felt its power. So take hope. Take hope. God's got this thing, and better yet, God's got you in this thing. Uh, and so that is indeed, uh, as Paul writes at the end of verse 14, which we read a little while ago, all of this is to the great praise of God's glory. The glory of God is indeed the plan he has. God's plans have come to fruition, but uh, as we wrap up this episode uh, on Ephesians chapter 1, we want to understand a little bit more of, of the implications this has for the Ephesians, but also the implications it has for our walk of faith yet today. So stay tuned. What does it mean to be a Christian and a fan of movies, music, television, and video games? I'm Josh Larson, editor of thinkchristian.net and host of the Think Christian podcast. I invite you to join us for faith-filled reflections on pop culture. Visit us at thinkchristian.net or search for the Think Christian podcast, where we'll be talking about what it means to be a follower of Christ, even in the playful moments of our lives. I'm Daryl Delaney with Scott Jose, and you're listening to Groundwork, and we're in the final segment in our first episode of this six-part series on the book of Ephesians. And we've been talking about how God has had a redemptive plan to save and, and redeem all of creation way before he created everything. And not only that, but his plan to put everything under Christ's feet was something that included the fellow believers, the ones that are reading this letter in Ephesus. It also includes you and I and the ones that are listening, that there are believers that God wants to redeem. And we want to give you more details about how in chapter two, when we talk about it, how God who's rich in mercy does this. Mm -hmm. And we'll get to that in the next episode. But suffice it to say here that Paul is grateful. He begins to lift them up in a prayer and he's, he's excited about that. So this is a, a lovely part of Ephesians chapter one, beginning of the 15th verse. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for those of us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So once again, Paul has shaken up the bottle of champagne and popped the cork, and it's just spraying bubbly all over the place. Uh, this is just so enthusiastic and effusive. 
Oh, man, I love this verse. It's one of my favorite passages. I remember praying it when I was in college, mm-hmm. like when I was started with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship and the young people were not waiting till they had gray hairs to worship God and they were unashamed in their faith. I started praying this prayer. Could you give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation to know you better? And what I learned is that that's connected to the things that Paul says next. He wants the eyes of their hearts to be enlightened, not just some emotional experience or or anything like that, but an objective truth that's grounded in the fact that God is who he says he is and the plan that he has established is working. That stuff gives them a hope that they need. And that's the triad that I love too, where he talks about the hope, the riches of the inheritance and the incomparably great power for us who believe. Those three things he unpacks and we need that stuff today. You know, it reminds me uh, of uh, the singer uh, George Harrison, who was one of the Beatles. Beatles. And um, when he went out on his solo career after the Beatles uh, broke up, uh, he had a song called My Sweet Lord. Now, it was a kind of a Hindu song. He, he was referring to Hare Krishna. But there's such longing in that song. And the chorus in that song, My Sweet Lord, I Really Want to Know You. Mm-hmm. I Really Want to Know You. And that's what Paul says here. I want you to know God better. I want you to know Jesus better. You're never going to get to the bottom of knowing him, right? But keep getting to know him better, Paul says. That's my prayer. Get to know him better because the more you get to know God, the more you're going to be blown away by what Paul talks about here is incomparable power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Get to know that, Paul says. It's exciting. That power gets down inside you and inside us in in the church today. That's just exciting. And, you know, I think we need that today, Daryl. I mean, the church has been hurting throughout the time of the pandemic and in the United States for sure, but in other places too around the world, huge political divides are leading to huge church divides and arguments. And sometimes it just seems like we're just all headed the wrong direction. The world has just gone bonkers. But here Paul says, even in this situation, get to know God better. Because when you get to know God better, you're going to get filled with a power that will assure you that God still has our back. He's still in the church working. Scott, I want to continue to connect that truth you just said to the fact that God established it before the foundations of the world. Right. So because God is not reacting and saying, oh, wait, what do we do? He's not. What I pray in my prayer a lot is that you're not in heaven twiddling your thumbs, wondering what's going to happen next, but you right. know exactly what you're doing. You had a date on the calendar for the ver- this very moment. You're the author and the finisher of, of our faith and also the sustainer of it, and you're faithful to complete the work you started. So for the Ephesians that are sitting on death row waiting on Nero or whoever the emperor is to persecute and kill them, they need to understand this grounded hope, this grounded hope that will give them the encouragement that they need, that they know that they have a status now that legally, because they've been adopted as children of God, they have this status of heir. That is important for them, and that is important for us. We need to understand that even though sometimes the world feels like it's falling apart, either in our lives, either when we have pandemic, even when there are political or racial tensions, that we serve 
serve a God who is in control of all of this. And he had that control way before creation started. And he has that control now. And so we need to take hope in the fact that that resurrection power that he used to raise Jesus from the dead is at work in us and among us and around us. And so he likes to use that power to help this world get back to right, because right now it's off kilter. And that's also, I think, and, you know, the Ephesians probably had their own topsy-turvy world to deal with, as we do now today, Daryl. And that's why I think Paul makes such a point, and he really piles on the verbiage here, that he said, look, Christ is seated at the right hand of God in the heavenly realms. And then notice what he said, that he's far above all rule of authority, power, dominion, every name that is invoked. Yes. This age, age to come. So in other words, Jesus is way above kings and queens and presidents and prime ministers. Jesus is way above the political foment of the moment. Right. He is so exalted, so far above all things that we don't have to worry. God is still in charge all appearances from the news uh, to the contrary, Jesus is still seated right there. And even in the cosmic world, which you'll get to in Ephesians 6, God is over all those things. And the Ephesians and we both simply have to hold on to our most precious faith. And in next episodes that come after this, we're going to hear just how we are to live that out. But in this episode, we saw how God's manifested plan in Christ happened just at the right time. Thanks be to God. Well, thank you for listening and digging deeply into Scripture with Groundwork. We hope you'll join us again next time when we study Paul's teaching about finding life and reconciliation in Christ in Ephesians chapter 2. Connect with us at our website, groundworkonline.com, and share what Groundwork means to you or what you would like to hear discussed next on Groundwork. Groundwork is a listener-supported program produced by Reframe Ministries. Visit reframeministries.org for more information and to find more resources to encourage your faith. We're your host, Daryl Delaney, with Scott Jose. Our recording engineer is Dodd Morris, and our post-production supervisor is John Reeder. Our senior producer is Courtney Jacobs.